0: Hey, it is family service day and we do love having all of our kids and students in the room with us together. And we want you to know that you're a big part of this church. And uh, we love who you are and what God is doing in your life. And uh, man, he is working through you. And you're teaching us a lot about following Jesus too. So uh, thanks for joining us today. And I think this series is a good one. That As we get started today, my big fat mouth. How many of you know someone with a really big mouth, right? And maybe they're sitting by you right now or something. We're not going to point any fingers right, all right? Because that's just awkward. And well, anytime you point, you've actually got three fingers uh, pointing right back out you, but seriously, what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to spend some time uh, looking at what God has to say uh, to us about the power and the importance of our words, all right? That our words have influence, our words uh, can do so many things, and uh, just think about some of the words that we use in our everyday lives, and so throughout this series, we're going to talk about things like gossip, we're going to talk about things like criticism and and profanity, but let's be honest, right as we're getting started, I know that in a series like this, uh, it's It's easy to start thinking about other people. You start thinking about others in your life that maybe need to hear a message like this or to hear a series like this one. I mean, maybe already you're thinking about a coworker that you know struggles with gossip or uh, you've got a friend or somebody in your life that is overly critical just about everything or or maybe there's a neighbor on your street that is teaching every one of those dirty words to your kids right now and you sure appreciate that. You sure appreciate how they're expanding uh, your kids' vocabulary, but... Again, the big idea is just this, that our words are powerful and that God has a lot to say about the types of words that we choose. Uh, Solomon wrote this in the Old Testament in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. He says, the tongue has the power of life and death. All right, the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If you're taking notes today with us and want to follow along, kids and adults, uh, write this down in your notes. It's right at the top there. It's just this. The big idea of that verse is this, that our words can give life and our words can take life. All right, your words, the words that we choose, have the power and the potential to give life or the potential to take life. They're as dangerous as poison. All right, our words can be as sweet as fruit at the very same time. And today I want to begin with a topic that I think most everyone of us can relate to, we have been impacted by, maybe even been guilty of, and that's the topic of complaining. All right, and I know that when I say we're going to talk about complaining today that some of you already are like, ugh, Like complaining, like can we talk about something else this morning? Like talk about something that's a little more relevant to all of our needs because none of us struggles with complaining, right? I mean, none of us have ever struggled with complaining. And dads, uh, on this Father's Day, uh, let me just ask you, I want to ask you this question. Uh, Do you ever get a little worn out, uh, by the complaining in your house, all right, in your home. Uh, Dad, we, we, we do love you and appreciate you, and uh, man, it's, it's hard, but I just want to remind you this morning that what you do, it matters, and uh, your role and your influence in your kids' lives, it is a big deal, and uh, so keep up the hard work, and maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you have the opportunity to be kind of a father figure to some kids around you right now. Uh, that's important too, and so keep going. And, you know, we laugh at a video like that because it's funny and maybe you can find some truth in it because, you know, as parents, man, isn't it easy to complain at times? I mean, you love them like crazy, all right, but they drive you crazy sometimes, and so it's easy to complain, just like it's easy to complain when you feel like your spouse is being selfish. It's easy to complain. Kids, right, when you feel like your parents are being a little overbearing, all right, like they just don't understand what life is like in 2018 or it's easy to complain when others are mistreated you or when your boss is being ridiculous or maybe a co-worker is being lazy, it's just so easy to complain. But when it comes to complaining in the Bible, different examples of complaining, no one compares to the Israelites uh, in the Old Testament. And if you don't know their story at all, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt until God raised up a man by the name of Moses to lead these people out of slavery and into freedom, all right? But that freedom came at a price, all right, there was a great price that came along with it. It meant days and years of traveling under the hot sun in the wilderness, but God's going to use that time and he used that time, all right, to prove who he is. He he proved that he is faithful in so many ways. He provided for his children. And how did the Israelites respond? Well, they griped. I mean, if you read this story, they whined, they complained like it was their job or something. Look at what we read in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, their leader, again, they're out under the hot sun. They said to him, what it, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? I mean, you'd think they'd be grateful that they were no longer slaves in Egypt, all right? But instead, they're like, this, this stinks, Right? I mean, this is horrible. Like, we'd we'd rather go back being slaves in Egypt, all right, than be out under the sun. And so they complained and they griped. And here's what Moses said about their complaining. And I think this is just so important and really so telling for us about our complaints. Exodus chapter 16, verse 8, here's how Moses replied to them. He said, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. He says, "You're, you're not just complaining, all right, to me or even to the leaders about where we are, but but you are ultimately complaining against the Lord. Like Moses was so wise here, like even he realized that the Israelites were ultimately complaining about God. Now with this in mind, I want you to just take a moment, and this is just between you and no one else. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or to answer out loud or anything, but just think to yourself, what do you complain about? Like what's that thing that gets your goat over and, over again. What is the thing that disturbs you the most? Like maybe Maybe it's money, all right? And and not because you've got too much of it, all right? If you complain because you got too much money, let me know. I'll help you out and thinking about some things you can do with it. I got three kids to send to college, but uh, uh, maybe, maybe maybe for you it's just busyness, you know? You, you complain about being busy all the time, or maybe you complain that you're single, or uh, you complain because you wish you were, or maybe you complain about your job, or maybe you find yourself complaining about something at school, or some people love to complain about church, or complain about family situations, or you complain about the weather, anything and everything. It's summer break, all right, for you students, and maybe you're already complaining that you're bored. You have no idea what to do with your summer. Think about this, especially if you struggle with complaining. What if every time you complain, in God's eyes, it's as if you're complaining about him? Ouch, right? I mean, a little perspective for each of us when we think about our complaints. Like, what if in God's eyes, it's as if you're complaining against him? And then who wants to live like that? Do right, you, you ever you ever get tired of be around complaining people? Like it's exhausting. Like it can it can wear you out if you if you find yourself struggling with complaining, maybe you've got some moments where you just think to yourself, I don't want to be like this, I don't want to be bitter, I don't want to complain about time. The good news is this, if you if you've got a pulse, right, you've still got time. All right? If you're if you're breathing, there's still time to change. You don't have to if you struggle with complaining, you don't. You don't have to, and so if the Israelites were the best at complaining, we can also learn from someone who just learned to see things differently about their life. And it's a man uh, I want to just spend a few minutes looking at this morning, a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, all right? We know him as Paul the Apostle Paul, and he followed Jesus and he really discovered the secret, at least, to overcome complaining or at least dealing with complaining each and every day. Now, if you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul at all, all right, there's something you need to know about him. All right, and that is that he was absolutely sold out to following Jesus. all right. Uh, He he had given every part of his life to following the Lord and he made it his life goal to tell as many people as possible, all right, about how great Jesus is. In fact, if you just check out this map, it illustrates well a little bit of what Paul did with his life and all of the different journeys that he went on throughout the Mediterranean world, uh, the number of cities, the multiple countries that he went sharing about Jesus and all along the way he was starting churches, okay, in so many of these communities here uh, so that these churches could continue growing people in Christ and telling people about Christ. Christ. But all along the way and all throughout these years of his life, Paul had one big dream, all right, one goal, and that was to eventually go to the city of Rome, all right. He couldn't wait to go to Rome. Now, why? Well, Rome was the greatest city in the world at the time with the most influence and power. And so Paul was a smart guy. He was a strategic guy. And he realized that if he could go to Rome to tell people about Jesus, that there was no telling, all right, what might come from it and all the different parts of the world that that message could extend out to. But here's where Paul's story gets interesting and maybe a little bit more like what some of us are facing today, all right? Because get this, Paul eventually got his wish to travel to Rome, but instead instead of arriving as a preacher, Paul was sent to Rome as a prisoner, all right? You heard that right. For two years, he was chained up in jail 24 hours a day, All right, in Rome. Write this down in your notes with me. Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but instead he went as a prisoner. All right, there's a difference, right? He desired to go as a preacher, but instead he ends up there as a prisoner. Now, if that's me, if I'm just being honest, I'm gonna be tempted to whine and complain about my circumstances. Like, I'd be wondering, you know, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I've served you, I've been faithful, I wanted to to come and tell uh, others about you in Rome, but now you've got me in prison? Like, this is what you've had planned, that now I'm in prison? Like, this isn't fair. And, and at the same time, if anyone had the right to complain, it's Paul. Like, he had surrendered everything to Jesus. He had given all that he had, everything to Jesus. But this is what's so amazing about Paul's story. And really what I pray we'll, we'll all see today, and that is that instead of whining and complaining, Paul chose a different way. In fact, look at what he wrote from his prison cell in Rome. He was, he was writing to a church from this prison cell in Rome, writing to a church that he had started in the city of Philippi. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Kids, read it with me. Let's read it out loud. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Right, let's say it again. These are his words. Do everything without complaining and arguing. In fact, uh, my wife Jenny and I used to sing this verse as a little jingle to our kids, all right, just as it goes something like this. <clears throat> Do everything without complaining and arguing, Philippians 2.14. Like, we made that up, right? And we just, like, whenever they were complaining or something, I'd just start singing it. Here's what I've learned as a parent. Sarcasm uh, with your kids, right, isn't a great parenting technique. Like, you don't really get the results you desire, really, by being sarcastic with them. But if you want to give that a try, uh, you can. But again, these are Paul's words, not from a preacher, right, he's a prisoner instead. And notice that he doesn't say, try not to complain or don't complain a lot. He says, what? Do everything without complaining and arguing. And that's just a pretty high standard, isn't it? Like everything, no matter what it is. And it always means so much more when it comes from someone, well, who's going through some tough things that they might be able to say some words like this. And look at why he says that we shouldn't complain. The, verse 15, he says, Philippians 2.15, he says, so that no one can criticize you. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. See, there are a lot of very spiritual reasons why we should avoid complaining. And Paul says that we shouldn't complain so that others can't criticize us, and we'll expand on that more in just a moment. But according to one doctor, there's also some other practical reasons as well. Like, get this, In his book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, Dr. Travis Bradbury says that repeated complaining hardwires the brain to guess what? Keep complaining. That the more you complain, the more you complain. Like in other words, the more negative you are, the more likely your brain is going to be triggered to react with negativity. And so isn't it true that we can get so used to our complaining and criticizing, it almost for so many different reasons. I, I, I think for some, it's almost like it's empowering. We get desensitized to it. Maybe it's kind of an avoidance technique that well, we just don't need to pay attention to some of these other areas in our life. And, but Paul has something to say about its effects. He goes on to explain why it's so important that we don't complain. Look at the second half of verse 15. He says, I want you to live clean. I want you to live innocent lives as children of God so that shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. See, here's the thing. Here's what Paul knew and realized, that as followers of Jesus, we have this unique opportunity to shine like bright lights in this world, in anything and everything, in this dark world around us. See, according to Paul, though, then the more we complain, the less we shine. The more we complain, the less we shine. And so... I just got to wondering this. I I wondered if the Apostle Paul were with us here today, uh, what he might say about some of the circumstances that we find ourselves in in our lives and how how he might challenge us. And so I got to thinking about this. In fact, write this down. I think, I wonder if the first thing that he would say would be something like this one. Like, if you can change something in your life, do it. Like, if you find yourself in some difficult, kind of painful circumstances, and if you can change them, if you can change those circumstances, well, do it. Like if there's something in your life that's hard or something that's negative or difficult and it makes sense or it's appropriate for you to make some sort of change in your life, well then do it. And so to that he might say, you know, like, like if you hate your job, get a new one, right? Who's stopping you? Or, or, or if you're a kid and, and, and you're bored, you know, you find yourself bored one day this week, try something different, all right? Try something else. Like get this one, if you're dating someone, all right, now hold your, here, here's a bright idea. And you don't like them anymore, stop dating them, right? Now you don't have to keep in the relationship. If you're married to someone and you don't like them anymore, too bad, right? You you said I do, right? You can't make that change, but that doesn't mean that you can't change something. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you can't start working on some things together. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't see a counselor or get back to doing the things that you did when you were in love. See, chances are that we have more options than we realize, and so if you can change something about your circumstances, do it, but let's also realize that there are just some things in life we can't change, and there are things that happen that are out of our control, and sometimes life is just really hard, but to that, I think Paul would say this about our circumstances. The second thing is that if you can't change it, then change your perspective about it. If you can't change it, change your perspective about it. So, like, instead of complaining Change what you say about it. Or instead of complaining, change how you think about it. It's kind of like this. Like, I mean, wouldn't we just all agree that there are some things in life that just stink, right? Things that happen, situations that we find ourselves in that just stink. I I think this kind of illustrates it well. Whoa, this is a doozy. Hang with me here kind of life, isn't kind of life like a dirty diaper sometimes, right? Like, man, if you just really open it up, right? I mean, you find that it's just a doozy and, oh, I got a little on my finger here, so I'll just try and that out, but it's just Nutella, all right? So, or I should say, because Ben was saying this morning, don't you dare waste Nutella on that. It's, it's the generic brand. It's Walmart's version of Nutella. But man, isn't life just like that sometime? Like imagine, like if you've got a brother or sister, some of you, right, you know, and they've got a dirty diaper, like you know that it stinks and you want nothing to do with it. You want to get as far back as possible. But the truth is that life's a lot like a dirty diaper sometimes. Life just stinks. Things happen. You find yourself in circumstances that you can't control. Let me ask you this morning, what is it in your life that stinks right now? For every one of us. And here's the thing, if we're not careful, isn't it so true that those circumstances have the potential to influence everything about our lives? But instead of, instead of allowing that stinky diaper to ruin your attitude or, or find yourself always complaining about it or complaining about something else, like what if you could actually do something about it? And, uh, and what if there was a way to deal with it? Look at look what Paul says again. Remember his circumstances. He's writing from jail Philippians 2 17, he says, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Remember, Paul's plan was, plan was to preach in Rome, not be a prisoner in Rome. But notice what he's doing. He says, I'm rejoicing. He says, even if I lose my life, and what in the world does he mean about being poured out like a liquid offering? Well, here's the thing. This was symbolic. It was, uh, it was symbolic to what a priest would do when they would offer up a sacrifice or an offering to God, and so whether they were the priest was sacrificing an animal or some other kind of burnt offering, what they would do is they would take a drink or they would take a liquid offering, and it was usually something expensive like honey. Most of the time, it was wine, and as the offering was being consumed, this burnt offering, they would. Take Take the liquid offering and they would pour it out over the fire. If you've ever poured something out over a campfire before, what does it do? It sizzles, right? You can hear the noise. You see the smoke rise up towards the sky. Well, the same is true here. So when Paul talks about his life being poured out like a liquid offering, he isn't talking about just ultimately dying one day, but instead he's talking about the way that you live your life right now, each day and every day, every single day. He's talking about a daily sacrifice. He's talking about a life of surrender, and that's why Paul also said that as Christians, we are called to lay down our lives, to lay them down as Jesus laid down his life, that we can offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul says this is your spiritual act of worship Every day, laying down your life, presenting your life before God. Look what he says in verse 17 again. He says, just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and he says, and I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. See, that was the difference for Paul, the real difference for him. The secret to overcoming complaining for Paul was recognizing that my life doesn't belong to me. I'm here for the Lord. I'm serving the Lord. I'm living for something else. I'm living for someone else. Now, to be fair, Paul was human. All right? I'm sure he had some days of complaining. I at least hope that he had some days of complaining. But what made the difference for Paul was that he was living his life for Jesus. And he had his life, he had his heart, he had his mind set completely on Jesus Christ. Always focused on him. And you may not know this, but in prison, in this jail, Paul was actually get this. He was chained to a Roman guard every hour of every day for two years. So it wasn't enough to just be confined to this jail cell, but he was also chained at the very same time to a Roman guard. But look at the perspective. Look what he has to say about this. uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, if you back up a chapter, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, imprisoned, chained to a guard in Rome, he says, has actually served to advance the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So he's not complaining. Again, he's got some new perspective here. All right, he's shining like a star, really. Look what he says about it, verse 13. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Jesus Christ. What's he saying? I think he's saying this. You know, you might say that I'm in a prison, that I'm being punished, that my days and my life are over. No way. No way that even in a prison cell, I'm not going to look at it like that because instead I'm living for Jesus Christ, even if it means I'm chained, even if in this jail. And for that reason, I'm going to take these otherwise difficult, frustrating days, and I'm going to bring good from them. I think you'd say, you know what, I might not be able to control these circumstances, but I can control my attitude because I know my God is greater and I know that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for me. And so even right now, chained and in this prison cell of life, I'm trusting the Lord. My faith is in him, and I'm going to live however many days he's given me on this earth for him forever. In prison, chained to a guard. And so guess what? Every day, Paul had a, the opportunity to share his faith and to share his love with that prison guard that he was chained to. Paul envisioned preaching in stadiums, but instead he got a very small audience, one person at a time, and what did he say? And now the whole palace guard knows, and the message of the gospel is advancing, and people are finding their way back to God. Before we close this morning, let me just ask you, what are you chained to right now in your life? What has you changed? What's holding you back? What's affecting your attitude? Maybe for some of you, it's a difficult marriage. It could be a financial nightmare right now. Maybe a terrifying health situation. Maybe you are the victim of some past pain or some present pain. Maybe you're in a dead-end job right now and not sure where to go. Maybe you've lost all hope in humanity. Maybe for some of you students, you're already dreading going back to school in the summer or at the end of the summer, if you've prayed about it, if you've talked it through with the people that you love, people that are closest to you, if you've prayed with a spouse or a parent, maybe you've talked with a counselor, I just say, if there's something that you can change about your life and it's appropriate and your circumstances and still honor the Lord, well, maybe you need to do just that. But if you can't change them, I guess what I want to say to you right now is that whatever it is that has consumed you, it doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to ruin your life. It doesn't have to sour your mind or your words or your faith. Your prison doesn't have to ruin your life. I had the opportunity to talk to a young man a few weeks back. He was a young man who was in the classroom where the incident took place at Noblesville West Middle School. And I was talking to him after the prayer event that happened in the park here in Noblesville on that Saturday night. And so I just wanted to catch up with him for a few minutes. I knew he was there. I knew he was probably hurting. He was telling me a little bit of his story. And I loved what he had to say. He said, you know what? I'm hurt. I'm scared. But then he said this. He says, but you know what? I believe that God wants to use me. And he says, I want to make myself available now to my friends and to the other students that are hurting and that are afraid. I believe that God can use me through this. And I just got to tell you, that boy ministered to me in such a powerful way that night because it was like he was just saying, you know what, I can't change what happened, but I'm not going to let it ruin my life either. You know what, the same is true for us. No matter what it is, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through or you're chained to right now, it doesn't have to ruin you. Look at Paul's words one more time. Philippians 2, 17 to 18, he says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. I love those two words right in the top. Paul says, I will rejoice there, right there, even if. Even if. Because isn't that what usually consumes us? The what if. What will come from this? Those things that I can't control. And Paul says, you know what my faith is doing for me? Even if. Even if I lose my life. Even if it doesn't end the way that I'd like. Even if it gets worse. Even if I can't change what happened. And do you know why Paul was able to live and and could say these things, live this way and say these things? Because he wasn't living for himself. He was living for Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. And do you know what I know about Paul and, and, and from studying his words in his life? Like, I'm confident that Paul spent time with Jesus every single day. That Jesus was the person that he rushed to. That he was praying to Jesus. That he was thinking to Jesus, about Jesus. That he was crying out to Jesus when he needed him. Because I'm sure Paul had some frustrations. But do you know what he did with those frustrations? I believe he took them every single day to God. Every day. He took them to the Lord. You see, you and I are going to have tough times. We're going to find ourselves in some frustrating circumstances. We're going to get upset. And so it's what we do with those frustrations that really matters. And I think more than anything, what we can realize today is that we can always take those to the Lord, that our God is big enough, that He is great enough, that He can handle our frustrations, He can handle our complaints, and He can receive them. Like There is no greater example of a good and perfect Father than our God in heaven who loves us and created us and cares for us. And so that's what Paul's doing. That's what Jesus demonstrated for us. Like, think about those final hours of Jesus' life in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was asking, is there another way? Is there another way? Is there something else that we can do here? Does it have to go through the cross? And the Father's like, yes, it has to go through the cross. But even in the questions and even in the fears, the Father gave Jesus the faith, the Trust him to the point that Jesus was able to say, not my will that will be done, but your will be done. I'm living for you, I'm trusting you. Sound familiar? Like, even if, not my will. Even if, not my will. They kind of sort of have the same ring to them. And that's the beautiful thing about our faith in God, and that's the beautiful thing about having a relationship with God. That what he did for Paul, and what he did for Jesus, He can and will do the same for us too as we trust him. See, the wonderful truth, the good news is that we have the very same access to God that Paul did and that Jesus did, and he can handle it, and he loves us, and he loves to draw us in as we trust him and as he grows our faith and gives us the ability to keep living for him no matter what we go through. Let's pray. I want to take just a moment with you as we pray with every head bowed and every eye closed and just ask you to be real honest with yourself and even the Lord this morning. What is it that's giving you grief today? Something that you're chained to right now, something that has you imprisoned, something that you find consuming your mind and your words and fear and frustration. What is it? Is it there one thing this morning and... and he already knows God already knows but maybe can you just acknowledge him and acknowledge that with him right now and and maybe for you it's just a prayer of desperation and maybe you need to say these words today maybe you just need to say in, in your own words they don't have to be fancy he knows our heart he just wants to hear from you he wants you to be honest but maybe just say Lord I need your help God, I need your help. I I need to hear from you. I I need to see you. I need I need a reminder here this morning. I need I need an answer. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need peace. I just need peace in my life. It's like there's a war going on in my life. And, and I just need peace today. You can tell him what you need this morning. And I'm praying that maybe even before you go, that he'll respond to you in some powerful way with reassurance, with hope, with love. Just a reminder that he cares. As his word says, that if we trust him with all of our heart and lean on our own understanding and acknowledge him that He will make our paths straight. I pray that he will make your path straight today and increase your faith in him. Maybe even just pray those words this morning. Lord, give me the faith to trust you. I'm barely holding on, but give me the faith to trust you. So God, we thank you for being a God that cares, that loves a perfect father. Help us today. Help us each day, Lord to live for you, give us faith to trust you even when we feel defeated and hurt and help us to shine like stars through it all, no matter what it takes as we put our faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.